You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Welcome in another edition of Curd and Long, and uh, this time we are uh, late, late night, early, early morning Christmas, right around Santa time, 1.30 uh, in the morning central time as I uh, sit here and record this, actually live streaming this on YouTube uh, in the middle of the night, uh, I had to wait for all the presents to get wrapped, kids to go to bed, all that fun stuff uh, in order to have a chance to uh, get this podcast going here, Curd and Long, Ryan Horvath, I'm sure, is tuckled away uh, in bed, all nice and uh, cozy. He went uh, home for the holidays, which is great. Hopefully, he's enjoying some family time. I am with my family, uh, but as always, I'm in the basement doing this. And I uh, hope everybody has a good Christmas if you celebrate Christmas and a, a Merry Christmas at that. Uh, Joe Barry is going to have a Merry Christmas because he still has a job. Packers win 33-30 to 30, uh, over the Carolina Panthers, now improved to 7-8. and eight. Carolina Panthers 2-13. Uh, and 13. The Carolina Panthers scored 30 points in the last like seven or eight games. I don't believe the Carolina Panthers topped 20 points, even got to 20 points at any point in those last several weeks leading up to the Packers game uh, to say that it is comical at this point uh, as far as how bad uh, things are for this Packers defense um, would be uh, probably an understatement at this point. Let, let's talk about a couple of different things here. Uh, number one, uh, this Packers offense, I think, has proven time and time again uh, that they are going to be really, really good next year. Man, really good. And they're pretty good right now, as is. You know, Jordan Love's not turning over the ball nearly as much as he was earlier in the year, uh, making better decisions, making, uh, you know, he's still missing some throws, I guess you could say, you know, a random throw out in the flat. Maybe he underthrows or a screen pass or something like that. He may miss time and time again. Uh, but for the most part, He's making those throws when you need them. That bullet pass to Tucker Craft in that last drive, and he breaks, uh, you know, between two defenders. That's a hell of a throw, man. I, I don't care if that's Josh Allen, if that's Aaron Rodgers, whoever. That is a heck of a throw by a quarterback. And that was a great throw by Jordan Love. And even Matt LaFleur was giddy in the postgame press conference talking about how excited he was by some of the stuff he's seeing from Jordan Love. And to think he's doing this today, or on Christmas Eve, I should say. I guess it's technically not today anymore. It's Christmas Day as I record this. Uh, but without Christian Watson, without Jaden Reed, and Jaden Reed, you can argue, has probably been his best receiver to this point this year. Uh, and without Luke Musgrave, who's still out that kidney issue, he's getting better, though. Now he's starting to catch the ball and stuff. So 
Maybe we'll see him back if they get to the playoffs, I guess. Maybe sooner. I, I don't think so, but we'll see. Uh, and then you lose Wicks uh, to a, a chest injury of some sort. Uh, he said the ribs aren't broken. and We'll have to wait and see how it happens in the next few days. Uh, so you lose him too. And you make it work with a guy named Bo Melton, uh, who the Seahawks you know, had stashed over there that the Packers went and grabbed. And he's been doing really good things on the practice squad, so forth. Uh, and you saw a little bit of it last week. And Bo Melton, again, breakout game a, a little bit here today. Four catches for Bo Melton on the day. But you got him out there doing his thing. I mean, just look at this. Four catches by Romeo Dobbs, 79 yards and a touchdown. Okay, fine. Right? I mean, Romeo Dobbs has been there all year. Tucker Craft wasn't doing much of anything at the beginning of the year. You get on the field, make a couple blocks. Outside of that, really wasn't playing a ton. And now, since Musgrave goes out, not only does, uh, is is he playing a lot, Tucker Kraft, but he looks like he's going to be as integral a piece to this offense as Luke Musgrave is at this point. Luke Musgrave is the guy that's athletic. Luke Musgrave is the guy that's going to be your pass catcher, right? Tucker Kraft was supposed to be that other guy that was going to be more of a pass blocker, maybe more like Mercedes Lewis or something like that, but not like Musgrave. Hey, man, I, I, he's not going to run as fast as Musgrave, obviously, at the end of the day, and I get that. But you want to start talking about having a dual threat uh, tight end position uh, in this league. The Packers may be able to put together something here uh, as scary as maybe what New England had back in the day. Uh, Now, again, I'm not saying either one of these two guys are Gronkowski in his prime. I'm I'm not going to go that far. We'll see. Uh, But if you take him and Hernandez, right, and you take these two, who else has had a better tight end duo in the NFL since those two? I don't know if anybody's had that that great dual tight end duo in the league since New England's had it. Green Bay is in a, has a legitimate chance to have two stud tight ends for the next, I don't know, five, ten years, whatever the case may be, in Kraft uh, and Musgrave. I mean, come on, man. That That is, that's some good stuff. And we can, you know, be mad at Gutekunst for whatever you want to be mad at Gutekunst for today. Every day it's something different. But, and maybe it's Joe Barry today, even though he has no power. I, I, apparently, everybody says. But those two guys, home run. These wide receivers, really good. Now, do they draft a wide receiver maybe next year at some point in the middle of the draft or something? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they try and get uh, another guy similar to the makeup of Christian Watson since Watson can't stay healthy. But outside of that, I, I think you're fairly set at tight end and wide receiver kind of going forward. Then the conversation was, okay, well, how about running back? What about it? Aaron Jones, again today, another big day for Aaron Jones. First time they got over 100 yards, 127 yards on 21 carries. Got the game ball from uh, Matt LaFleur after the game in the postgame press conference. Now, again, the problem with Aaron Jones is he hasn't been able to be available all year long. For the most part, that hasn't been an issue for Aaron Jones necessarily over the last few years. But the Packers and Aaron Jones have to figure out contracts and how this is all going to work if they're going to continue to ride behind Aaron Jones. It's definitely clear that people in that locker room love Aaron Jones. It's definitely clear he's some of the glue that goes on inside of that locker room, especially on the offensive side. So there's benefits, not only him being on the field, with your, there's a huge benefit because his offense was built around him. Or if you go into the locker room, there's a huge benefit as far as what he does there too. You go back to when the Packers were losing and going one, two, three, punt, one, two, three, punt for whatever it was, four or five weeks in a row wasn't playing. He was hurt. And there was no coincidence that this offense got all screwed up because the offensive plan was to build around Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and the ground game. 
And that never got going because of a couple of factors. A, Jones was hurt, your best offensive player at that point coming into the season. Your offensive line was struggling mightily because you were without your all-pro left tackle. That all played into that stretch where they couldn't score in first half of games or whatever the case may be. And it took them a half to adjust to, okay, this is how we're going to have to play this game. Well, let's go see if our adjustments work. That's kind of what it was. I, I argue if Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari would have been healthy all year long, all year long, I think this team would have at least three more wins. At least three more wins right now as we sit today. And this would have been a team still in contention to win this division from the Detroit Lions. Now, instead, Lions win the division. Fine. Uh, they get interception uh, you know, at the end of the game against Nick Mullins on Christmas Eve, and they went very happy for them. Very, very happy. I think I saw four people on that active roster for the Lions were even alive the last time uh, they won uh, a division back in the early 90s. So I'm happy for Lions fans, man. I mean, again, as a Bucks fan, uh, watching my team suck for so many years, I get it. It's awesome. Uh, enjoy it. I totally understand it. But I'm just saying, if Jones and Bakhtiari would have been healthy, this team would have at least two or three more wins, I think, at the end of the day. So those are all positives. And another positive, Rasheed Walker played well again today. So that's another positive to kind of uh, put out there, too, because he's been playing well lately. And he was a turnstile and not very good, in my opinion, earlier in the year. So that's offense, and that's fine. So that's good. You get it Now, the other thing that we have to talk about, obviously, are special teams. Anders Carlson, big field goal, win this bad boy at the end, had the miss extra point. I tweeted out at Sparky Radio while that whole thing was happening. No, I'm not going to be mad at Carlson. I'm not going to be mad at Carlson. It's Christmas Eve. I'm not going to be mad at Carlson. Because, you know, look, say, say what you want, but I don't want to be all mad and angry and, and, you know, yelling at the TV and everything else on Christmas Eve while I'm watching a football game. Man, it's Christmas Eve, or if it's Christmas Day watching the Bucks, I'm not trying to be yelling at, you know, Adrian Griffin or Middleton or Giannis or whoever, you know, at the TV because they're not doing something you want them to do. Christmas Eve, Christmas, again, if you celebrate these holidays like I do, you want to just be chilled and relaxed and enjoying yourself and watching the game. That That's what you want. In a weird way, Packers-Panthers kind of benefited everybody because it gave Panthers reason for hope going forward right, that their offense can actually score when they play, you know, a crappy defense, that they actually can put up points when they play, you know, a coordinator that doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So there is that for the Panthers fans. They got excited. And for Packer fans, they got excited because their team threw up 33 and figured out a way to win a game despite Joe Barry being horrible at his job. So even with all of that being said, you know, both teams win and both fan bases win at the end. But Carlson misses that extra point. Comes back, gets a couple field goals, gets the extra point. Everything works out. Packers win. Good. This is the thing, though. Penalties cannot continue to happen on special teams, man. I mean, you lead the league. You're among the leaders in special team penalties. And again, Rich Bisaccia made, what, a million dollars as a special teams coordinator an associate head coach because they wanted to make sure that he was on this staff, so they gave him the title, too. And I'm not saying Basaccia is not a great leader of men. He proved that with his time with the Raiders as an interim head coach. Basaccia, great leader of men. Might be a fine, fine damn NFL head coach at some point. I'm not saying he's a horrible special teams coordinator either. Not saying that either. But what I am saying is at some point, 
you've got to clean up your house. At some point, things got to get better. I mean, we're all over here talking about Joe Barry this and Joe Barry that. Yo, I'm going to put a little bit of spotlight on you at this point and say, you got to be careful of what you're doing too. And I'm not sitting here clamoring for them to fire Basachi in the offseason or do anything crazy. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if this happens again next year, then we got to go. That's the end of it. Find somebody else. I'll give them next year. But th- this this stuff, every week, penalties on special teams, man, you're killing me. You know, Keyshawn Nixon had an, uh, an opportunity or two where I thought maybe he might break one, but you, you just can't have this type of stuff. It, it's got to get cleaned up, man, and he, he's got to figure it out and understand it. Okay. What are we? 12 minutes into this bad boy. Uh, Dave on uh, YouTube uh, says, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Dave. Thanks for being up with us in the middle of the night here on Christmas Day morning. So this defense. So let's talk about Matt LaFleur for a second. All right, let's start there. Because I watched the press conference with Matt LaFleur. And I'm not surprised by what he said, right? He's talking about, well, you know, the offense, the offense, you know, they need to step up and instead of going three and out, they need to extend drives and and give the defense a breather. It's a good cover. You can't argue it. It's factual. I mean, he's he's right. I I totally get that. Sure, absolutely. You know, you gave him a couple three and outs, uh, and you'd assume the defense would do something. Now, again, did Barry do something different this week? Yeah. Yeah, they brought more pressure this week. They played more aggressive. They played more man than they've played in the past. They had played some zone, and they got beat usually. But they they played more man. They brought more pressure, far more aggressive. So he did do something. I'm not saying he didn't do anything. He did do something. But there's a lot of talk about people being mad at LaFleur for being loyal right? Being overly loyal. Can we just put this into perspective for a second? And of all people, I shouldn't be the one doing this. Maybe it's Christmas time. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. But if you had a boss who was this loyal to you, like he is to Joe Barry, how long would you want to work for that boss? Probably forever. You would probably do just about anything for that boss, if you had a boss that loyal to you. Now, if you had a boss that had an itchy trigger finger and fired people left and right, like Gary Allison and Roy Butler always said I would be, if you had one of those bosses, right, word's going to get around. Nobody's going to come play for that guy or nobody's going to come work for that person, I should say, if it's a normal, you know, normal Joe job. Nobody's going to work for, work for that guy. Matt LaFleur prior to getting the job in Green Bay. When you go back and you look at stories on Matt LaFleur, as like he took that job, when he took that job with the Packers, and everybody was like, who the heck is Matt LaFleur? Tennessee, their offense sucks. What are they doing? Right? That's what it was. Oh, but Sean McVay, Sean McVay, Shanahan, Shanahan, Shanahan. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Okay. We'll see. And 13 wins, 13 wins, 13 wins, and then stumble uh, and now start over. Okay, fine. But my point is, if you go back and read some of this stuff, 
His loyalty is something that all of these guys that know him preached. Mike McDaniel, Dolphins head coach, he was out of the damn league. He was out of the league. Gone. Screwed up. He was gone. Why did he get back into the league? Because your boy, Matt LaFleur, recommended him for a job on a staff he was on and said, you should go get my guy, Mike McDaniel, and give him another chance. That's why that man got back into the NFL. That's why that man is currently sitting as an NFL head coach in Miami is because your boy's loyalty, Matt LaFleur, got him back into the league after he done jacked it all up. That was not Matt LaFleur. He, that, that's Matt LaFleur's deal. And you can go research that all you want. That was all Matt LaFleur. Now, I'm, I'm telling you something. Yes, technically, Matt LaFleur's responsibility as head coach is his assistant coaches, which means he can hire and fire as he'd like, apparently. That's what y'all keep telling me. I don't think I believe it. But either way, if we're going to go based on the logic everybody keeps telling me, which is he can do what he wants, and Mark Murphy's going to say nothing, and Goody's going to say nothing, and he's his own boss. Okay, fine. Then Joe Barry's going to be there as long as Joe Barry wants to be there. This dude is not moving on Joe Barry. It's not happening. I mean, you just go back and watch post-game press conference today. He came out and starts spitting out excuses and defenses about why this was on the offense and not on the defense when they had issues. Not moving on. And all you people are, oh, God, I haven't fired by Christmas Day. Oh, they're not having to practice on Tuesday. Maybe they'll fire him on Tuesday. They're not firing this dude. Or not they. Matt's not firing this dude. If you want this dude fired, and if you believe that Mark Murphy is the one that holds the hammer that can override Matt and go do what he wants, then Mark Murphy is going to be the one that's going to have to go fire Joe Barry because Matt's not doing it. Simple. Simple, 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 simple. This is going to be on Mark Murphy. If Goody doesn't get any blame in all of this and Goody's free and clear in all of your minds and he can't do anything, Sparky, not his fault. Leave him out of it. Okay, fine. Then, as I've said in previous podcasts, then this is on Mark Murphy. Because I'm going to tell you something. There is something, in my opinion, wrong when you, in the last three weeks, have looked the way you have. Now, you can go to the week, three weeks previous to that when you're winning, and, you know, you beat the Lions, you beat the Chiefs, and those are good teams. Then you get a DeVito dude in the Giants who puts up numbers against you and then comes back down to earth the next week. And then you get Baker Mayfield, who throws up a perfect damn passer rating at Lambeau Field. Second time ever. First time ever by a road, by a road team coming in and doing it. And now this crap, on Christmas Eve, 30 points by a pathetic offense. And I mean pathetic and then you hear their interim head coach after the game talk about it on Christmas Eve. And he goes, well, I knew we were going to have opportunities. I knew we were going to have opportunities to do what we wanted to do. And we were going to be able to score. And, you know, credit to Thomas Brown, former Badger assistant coach, now uh, offensive coordinator for the Panthers. Um, and the coaching staff, Bryce Young, for all doing their jobs. And he was all fired up and happy about his offense, as he should be. You have the Vikings and the Bears left. Now, 
according to reports. I believe it was Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. Both got dinged up in that Vikings-Lions game, and I don't think either one came back. Now, if both of those guys cannot play for Minnesota against Green Bay, the Packers will have a legitimate chance to win that football game. If both of those guys play for the Minnesota Vikings, I am not picking the Green Bay Packers to win that football game. There is no chance. You can't stop this Panthers offense. And you can tell me all you want about, you know, Nick Mullins and whatever. And, oh, he's a backup spark. You know, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. DeVito got you two weeks ago. Who cares? Justin Jefferson is better than EJ Chark. Tell you that much. Not even close. Hawkinson is better than anybody that Panthers team has a tight end. And they have Ty Chandler now at running back in Minnesota, who, again, looked pretty good. And he's going to be the running back going forward instead of Alexander Madison, who, again, they're, you know, they're going to get their carries in, whatever. But Chandler's the better running back. So you got to deal with that, too. I, I, don't, I don't see how they win. And then the Bears the week after that? who they beat the Cardinals on Christmas Eve. Fields is playing as well as we've seen Fields play. And again, he ran damn near ran for 100 yards today. I think he was 79, 80, 90 yards. I don't know, something like that. He was under 100, but ran for a, a good significant amount of yards. And he threw for whatever it was. But guys, they can't stop the run and they struggle against the pass. And when I mean struggle, I mean it's pitch and catch down the field. They go. How in the world do you think you're going to beat either of those two football teams with the way you're playing currently? And yeah, you could say, well, Spark Packers offense got throw up 40. And you know what? That's exactly the dumb crap that Matt LaFleur said in his post-game press conference. Well, you know, if they score 30, we got to score 40. Or if they score 40, we got to score 50. Something along those lines is what he said. And again, that's more loyalty and defending his guy, Joe Barry, and doing what he has to do. And the fact that Jordan Love in this offense was able to do that to uh, Christmas Eve today, Christmas morning, whatever time it is. What is it? It's almost two o'clock. Th that is huge strides on the offense. And I see people, oh, fire Matt LaFleur if he doesn't want to fire Joe Barry. Stop. Just stop. That's nonsense. You're firing Matt LaFleur. Look at the strides this offense has made and everything that's come along with it. No, absolutely not. You are not under any circumstances getting rid of Matt LaFleur at this point. I don't care what happens to Joe Barry the next two weeks. Does not matter. Matt, La Matt LaFleur stays. Now, once you get past these next two weeks and you get into the offseason, if at that point they say Joe Barry is back next season, you, you can yell you want about Matt LaFleur. But you need to point your 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 attention to Mark Murphy because that's where all of this, all this disgust and angst and all that, that's where it goes. Everybody's putting this on Matt. As we've talked about earlier in the podcast, Matt's as loyal as they come. He's not changing anything. Now, you can only do so much with players if they don't understand what they're supposed to be doing. LaFleur said last week, that guys still aren't in the right positions, still aren't making the right plays. And I said last week, well, then Gunnikutz needs to figure out how to draft guys on defense that are maybe smarter from a football perspective to understand what the hell they're supposed to be doing 
defensively, because I swear to you, having done the big show for whatever it was, 10, 15 years, I swear to you, me, Gary, and Leroy, I feel like every year, every other year, kept talking about, well, we got to dumb down the defense for them, and that'll, that'll, you know, that'll solve everything. We'll dumb it down, and they'll be good. Can somebody tell me, when was the last time Bill Belichick had to dumb down a damn defense for his players? And again, I don't, I don't read New England Patriots quotes every day or nothing like that. I despise that organization, specifically Belichick. So I trust me, I don't follow that closely. But I find it hard to believe that every year Belichick is, quote, dumbing down his defense in order for them to understand what the heck they're supposed to be doing. That brings me to Jair Alexander, your best cornerback, supposedly one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League. Now, he is supposedly a leader on the defensive side of the football field. Supposedly. Jair Alexander has been battling a shoulder injury. Now, they did not put him in I- on the IR. Six weeks. Could have used that roster spot. Didn't use it. Because he was battling a shoulder injury. Now, by all accounts from the Packers, Essentially, their medical team screwed that one up completely. Miss, I'm not going to say misdiagnosed it. Maybe they didn't think it was as severe as it was. He could rehab back quicker. Whatever the case may be, they screwed it up, and the injury took longer for him to come back from. Now, if you listen to Jair, he's clearly still not right. He's still playing through the injury. I believe Jair said after the game that a lot of guys probably wouldn't even be playing with you know, the pain or whatever else he's going through. So, kudos to you, Jair, for suiting up and playing against the Carolina Panthers. There. There's your kudos. Now let's talk about the part that really angers me. I'm not quite sure if he thinks he's Dion or who he thinks he is, but he's not that guy. If Matt LaFleur did name you team captain, Sit your butt over there and watch the team captains run out. If being team captain was such a big damn deal to you, Jair Alexander, then maybe you should have went up to Coach Matt LaFleur during the course of the week and said, Coach, hey, man, can I be captain? You know, I'm from Carolina, man. I'd love to do it. How about that, Jair? How about you open your mouth, which I know you know how to do, and go talk to your coach during the week and ask him, not tell, Ask him if you can be a captain for this upcoming week's game. But apparently, watching that LaFleur press conference, that's not apparently what happened. It appears that Jair just decided he was going to run out with the other captains for the coin toss. Jair, after the game, pretty much said, hey, I'm from, you know, coach didn't know I was from here, so I, I figured it was only right. Mm-hmm. So now, for whatever the damn reason, they decide of the players that are out there for the Packers, they're going to ask Jair what to do when the Packers won the coin flip. See, now this is where I get a little bit confused. I get confused because I don't quite understand 
how you could have played in the National Football League for this long and not understand what happens at a coin flip. Like, how is that even possible? How could you have been in so many games in your life, just in general, and not know what to say at a coin flip? How is that a thing? Now, Matt LaFleur says that before every game, a coach talks to the referee and says, hey, if we win the coin flip, this is what we like to do. Okay, fine. So before the game, he told Ed referee, we'd like to defer, take the ball in the second half. Sounds good, coach. Coin flip happens. Jair, what do y'all want to do? We want to play defense. Or we want to be on defense. The referee said, uh, come back again. Jair again to give him another chance. So, so you want to defer pretty much. Yeah, 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 whatever. Completely 1,000% embarrassing. And I don't feel in the least bit sorry for him. He was out of line running out there to begin with. And then karma bit him in the behind by doing that. Can we take it a step farther? And go back to what we were talking about, the Rich Bisaccia earlier. Let's pull back the Rich Bisaccia thing that we were talking about earlier about penalties and all this stuff. In the postgame presser, Matt LaFleur brought up the fact that this happened one other time earlier in the year, not mentioning who it was, and I didn't know it happened earlier in the year, so I completely missed it. But apparently it's happened one other time earlier in the year. So after that, LaFleur's like, okay, we better tell our players what they have to say. Guys, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, th- this is when I wish I had Gary and Leroy with me to ask really simple, dumb, stupid things, right? They can laugh at me, Sparky. No, no, no. This isn't how it is. But m- maybe, <laughs> maybe, just maybe, I don't know. Just take take a, take a dry erase board when you're at home, right? Put the damn thing up on a locker room wall. Write your options of what you can say at a kickoff. Write an arrow down each word of what it actually means. And leave it up there. All year, don't take it down. Never take it down. Maybe have it all printed out and laminated and put it up there. You're probably like, oh, come on, man. They're not great school kids. Listen here. This is the second time this year it's happened. Karma got Jair. I don't know who it happened to earlier, but you can't have this juvenile stuff happening out there. A professional football man. Come on, figure this crap out. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I want Jair Alexander traded. I'm not going to do that. What I am going to tell you is somebody, Matt LaFleur, Needs to have some type of meeting, as I like to call it, a come-to-Jesus meeting, Christmas Day, right? With Jair Alexander. Hey, man, you want to be your flashy self and do your thing and all that? That's fine. But we are going to follow rules around here. And we're going to do things our way, or as they used to say, the Packer way. That's no longer said, and nor should it be, because that all that stuff's out the window. But something along those lines, 
You're, we're not just running out onto the field and anointing ourselves again. What do you think Belichick would have done had he pulled that crap with Belichick? What would McCarthy have done, for that matter, had he pulled that stuff with Mike? Like, there's just no way. And to a degree, to me, is it a lack of disrespect towards LaFleur? Like, nah, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. He's not going to do nothing to me. I mean, is that kind of what it is? Like, he he thinks he's now above the team. Like, Rodgers is gone. I'm Jair. So I'm going to play at this level and think I'm bigger than the team? Because you're not, man. You're just not. And clearly you're playing hurt and all that and great. We appreciate it and so forth. But, man, you are wearing on my last nerve. That's off today. That just cannot be a thing, especially when you got a bunch of young dudes in there. A bunch of young dudes looking at Jair, you know, the great cornerback and so forth. You do go do dumb stuff like that, man. That can't have that type of stuff. No, no, no. Needs to stop. So overall, I felt like this was a winning podcast as far as the Packers won. And I feel like half or more is negative of everything that I had to get off my chest. But it's, what is it, 2 o'clock in the morning, whatever it is. But I I get this podcast out because I want people to be a listener on Christmas Day or on Tuesday or whatever else. Last week, the podcast got all screwed up on days and it screwed everything up. We ended up not being able to get to the one on Friday because me and my family ended up all getting sick and we had to end up canceling Christmas today and the whole deal. And it, it's a long story, but either way I'm feeling better. So I was able to get this podcast done. But my, my point in all of this is they won. That's great. You still have a chance for the playoffs, but I have absolutely no faith. None. that Joe Barry's defense is going to stop the Vikings or the bears the next couple of weeks, which means you are going to need a Herculean effort from this Packers offense for two more weeks to run the table to give yourself a chance to, to make the playoffs at this point. But the one thing we do know, like I said at the beginning, this Packers offense is going to be scary good. Like top three offense in 2024 in the NFL, top two offense in 2024 in the NFL. And it's not going to be just 2024. It's going to be 2024, 2025, 2026. I mean, it's going to be there for a while. A while. And that should put a smile on your face on Christmas Day because you're not going to have to worry about scoring points once we get through the rest of this year. This offense, and they're not even, like I said, they're not even healthy. That's what makes it even scarier good. And you figure you're probably going to add an offensive lineman or two in the offseason. You're going to add probably another running back. Uh, and away you go. So Merry Christmas to all that celebrate. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy uh, this week leading up to New Year's, and uh, we'll record another one coming up on Wednesday. Have a good one every day. And uh, again, Joe Barry's not going anywhere, so uh, don't get your hopes up. 